If you're sitting alone in a room watching time pass, the clock sort of reminds you that right now there are 10 million people passing through doors, 100 million people sitting on trains, a billion people sleeping. Time went really fast when I fell asleep yesterday night because I had no dreams. I've been late for everything all my life. The consequences are that I'm always running for something. Thinking about time for people that work on rigs in general is an obsession. People think about time, measure time, find themselves trying to work through time in different ways that are intended to make it go faster while they're there. Of course, the opposite happens when they're home. Where does time go? Christian Marclay's The Clock is a film montage showing thousands of scenes that reference time, edited together to display the actual time. It took Marclay and a team of assistants three years to make, and they watched thousands of hours of films. In this podcast, we hear from those involved in the making of The Clock and explore how different people experience the passing seconds. A new mother, a night owl, an oil rig worker, an eight-year-old, and myself, Rachel Long, unravel our own versions of time. My name is Craig Burnett, and I worked with Christian Markley on the clock. And uh, I think I was the first person who Christian uh, sat down with. I remember we were having lunch, and he sat down and he says, I have this idea for a 24-hour video. And um, that was the beginning of uh, the clock. Is the clock about time? It's not about time as we experience it every day. It's about those moments between monitoring the time, strangely, when we have this consciousness about time and how our consciousness can only exist in time. And the feeling of time passing is, is the weird excitement of what consciousness is. Christian described it as a memento mori, as a uh, 24-hour-long still life that conveys to the viewer and to everybody watching it the brevity of life. And so if the clock does anything apart from being incredibly entertaining and awe-inspiring just because the feat of... uh, editing and imagination. I think it has the power of a lot of great artworks, which is to induce in the viewer a sense of desire and a desire for life and to get the hell out of the gallery and go live. But it it, it just has the power of great art, I think, which is to make you feel alive in a different way. I'm fascinated about what time means What does time mean to different people? Is it also affected by the way that we grow up or whom we love or something that happens in our lives to change our perception or our experience of time? I'm on the roof of the Brunswick Club in Bristol. 
think it's sometime after six. So I was born at the time that the clocks went forward for spring. And so I was born during the hour that got leapt over. That hour in clock time never existed. And every few years it comes around again and I lose an hour of my birthday. Currently, I'm sat home in my front room with my 20-day-old uh, baby boy on my lap um, who is breastfeeding and, yeah, sleeping at the same time. He's uh, multitasking. <laughs> time since he's been born, everything has slowed down and has become slightly... I'd say Groundhog Day makes it sound like a neg negative experience, but you're very much... Um, at his beck and call, really, about what his needs are. So it is all about really stopping, slowing it down. Night and day kind of merge into one because babies don't know the difference between night and day, so suddenly a 24-hour period, it's all just kind of chunks of, of time. There isn't really a day and a night anymore, which is quite strange. Hey, little snuffle pig. There's some great bits in um, the clock where time is somehow marked off spatially, so people might pass through doors at certain times and, and then another character emerges. So it is this kind of collapsing of space and time into this crazy, infinite labyrinth. So if you're sitting in a, alone in a room watching time pass, the clock sort of reminds you that Right now, there are 10 million people passing through doors, 100 million people sitting on trains, a billion people sleeping, you know, and all of these things uh, the clock presents to you in this concrete, witty, never-ending parade of uh, human existence. Whereas some people have very difficulty locating themselves in, in space and they get lost very easily. I never get lost, but I have difficulty locating myself in time and I don't know how long things take and I'm late for everything. A dysfunction in the internal measurement of time. Time went really fast during break time because we were having lots of fun. We had to come here, so it was only about 15 minutes for me. Or the internal perception of how long time takes. Time went really fast when I fell asleep yesterday night because I had no dreams. Time. <laughs> the timeness of time. The last time time went really fast was throughout the school year because maybe because I, well, I enjoyed it or something. I've been late for everything all my life. Yeah, the consequences are that I'm always running for something. I find chiming clocks very useful. I, <laughs> I really do. Maybe that's all it is. Maybe I just need more chiming clocks in the world. Everyone else is sort of all with their individual timepieces now. We're not sharing the, the ones that give us the extra clues. 
the sonic clue. If you sat in your living room and just simply watched, you know, the clock on the uh, fireplace mantle or something passing time, it would trigger, you know, feelings of anxiety, uh, memories, which inevitably all goes toward uh, uh, thoughts of one owns, you know, mortality. My name is Paul Anton Smith, and I was assistant editor of The Clock. I worked on The Clock, I mean, from beginning to end, so it was about two and a half years. I think The Clock brings out a lot of anxiety in a way, uh, because people are, uh, of course, not accustomed to watching a montage or, you know, so many film clips. And so the, the, every time a new film comes up, it might trigger a memory uh, or it might be frustrating for you because you're, you're, um, you're torn away from the narrative of that film and you're sort of put into another. And because it's about time and because people w- will walk into the clock only wanting to spend like 10 or 20 minutes, and they might find themselves after 20 minutes checking the time, of course, thinking about that lunch meeting they have in an hour, but really they don't want to leave. There's some kind of anxiety associated with it. I'm Joanne. I was brought on to the clock researcher team. It consisted of watching two to three movies a day, for a couple times a week, looking for references to time. The time when the clock strikes is when things happen in movies. So many movies would use this time frame right before the hour to show the character in great duress. There would be characters running down the streets, there would be people in cafes with sweat running down their foreheads, looking at the second hand as it approaches. You could see the palpable build-up of stress before the, the clock striked the hour. There was a video store on Kingsland Road. Today is boring or something like that. So we put a, uh, a just an old-fashioned ad, a little uh, piece of paper in, in the video store saying researchers needed. Then we started um, getting responses from film editors and art students, really. At the beginning, we gave everybody a category, so horror movies, thrillers, and we had a massive um, Excel file of all the movies people had watched. I watched a lot of chick flicks where you would have men waiting for their dates to show up in restaurants. They would be nervously looking at their watch. You would have women getting ready for their dates and they would be late people jumping into cabs, all those kind of rom-com type cliches were completely wrapped up with time. Early Japanese movies, they were particularly good for the passing of time. So you saw the changing of seasons, cherry blossom falling, all that kind of thing to do with time. Because the researchers would be uh, giving, giving us material from all hours of the day, basically we were just slotting them into the timeline. 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. was sort of one workable timeline, and then 2 p.m. to 3 and so on and so forth, until Christian had enough material to sort of start editing with. When it got down to, the let's say, the last six months uh, of the project, and we're still looking for five... 24 a.m., you know, and unfortunately somebody's just found another 5.23 instead. Moments like that could be frustrating. 
When you watch the clock, then you have that feeling of time unfolding in a very different way. So that when you are listening to music, the time is your own, but it's being structured by the rhythm of the music. They talk about art inducing ecstasy, and I think the clock produces its own new kind of ecstasy, where you're you're completely lifted out of your life in a way that any artwork might lift you out of your life. Going to see a, a stupid movie, any movie might do that, or or, uh, or listening to an orchestral piece of music for an hour, but the clock does it in in its own way. It's really hard to not use the word time when talking about time because there's no synonyms for it. And, and also I think because it's an, an invented, a constructive concept, we haven't got many things to be like, oh, it was like this, apart from like the abacus. But oftentimes when you're talking about time, you're not talking about an abacus. So the language even around time or clock or watch, that's it. I spent my working life in the oil business, in the exploration business, actually. Four weeks on and four weeks off the rig. Thinking about time for people that work on, on rigs in general is an obsession. People think about time, measure time, you know, find themselves trying to work through time in different ways that, that are intended to make it go faster while they're there. Of course, the opposite happens when they're home. They try and slow time down, but time then speeds up when they're at home. So although, you know, life there on the rig seems to go past very slowly, so, you know, oh, another day, just one more day gone, still 26 to go. Overall, that kind of um, working on and off and on and off, home and away and at home and away, the years seem to rush by. So overall, it has the effect of compressing time. I'm retired now, so time is much more stable and I don't think about time uh, really nearly as much. So I'm much more aware of the slowness of the seasons as you go slowly through summer and slowly into autumn. You can see changes happening and, and people feeling differently actually from, from one season to another. That's quite a new thing for me, quite enjoying that. Me and my friend Tom stayed up all night and Stephen stayed up all night. Jack fell asleep at 1am, like around that time, and then Stephen fell asleep in the morning for around two, three hours. And then I, and me and Tom were just staying up all night. Because it was the first time I had loads of friends over my house and we all had loads of fun. The most memorable 24 hours of my life was that. You know, you were away for a long time. And I think, too, our children felt, especially when they were younger, that, you know, I'm not sure exactly what sense of time they had, but for them a month was a very long time. And they never quite knew when I was going. They never quite knew when I was coming back. And so I think they felt that, you know, that I'd been away for a long time. And I know that because to become integrated into the family again would take a few days, a good few days. 
for me, the clock is a different experience than it, than it will be for you or for, um, or for, for uh, people who are seeing it for the first time. And it, I suppose it was always a different experience for me because uh, for me, I would say it's more fun to, to watch other people watch it and, uh, and, and see their, uh, the way they, re they react. Um, because unfortunately, you know, I'll, I'll never be able to, uh, to just walk into the dark room and, and watch it uh, for the first time myself. So in thinking about time and all the things that it meant to me and in all the ways that it shaped me and being somewhere at a particular time, uh, I wrote this poem in response um, whilst being under time or inside time in a different way. It's called My Love Since You've Been Gone. My love since you've been gone, I've outsmarted the wasps. Though it's not a nest, the neighbor says, they're attracted to a sweetness at the center. If there's no nest, there's nothing he can do, short of chopping the tree down. It's not our decision to make, my love. Since you've been gone, I've eaten only yogurt and homemade soup. I've chopped nearly 100 carrots. The knives you bought are very good. I can't sleep. I shop in the middle of the night. The voice says... It's not about time, it's about structure. But since you've been gone, the air in the house is longer. Like someone's planted peace lilies all over. Or like that time we visited the top of the country. And the whole trip we couldn't stop commenting on the quality of the air, the quality of it. Like it was a chocolate we unwrapped from its shiny purple jumper. It's possible, without me realising, that the house has been set atop a Swiss mountain where I saw Idris Elba walk down a spiral staircase and the air in the room stuttered. Did I tell you he looked back at me? Yes, the woman you love. And did I tell you Idris's eyes are like two expensive leather watches, one on each socket? My love, I love that you don't mind me talking about other men because it's healthy. I've been thinking about your dad lately, him working away your whole childhood. How when he came home and insisted, it's me, it's me, son, stop being silly, the more it became fishy. Last Sunday I walked with a woman who was born in the hour that gets leapt over, like you. Unlike you, her parents didn't smuggle her birthday into the next day. Each year she loses an hour. She says hour like limb. Since you've been gone, the townsfolk have been demanding where I'm from, where I'm really from. I tell them, my father came home every night on the dot and only swore that once, a mother who busted nights and slept days. I tell them I'm a silent summer holiday, a packed lunch kid who ate on the cliff edge of the sofa. Can you believe it was July when you left and now there are black coats in all the shop windows? At what point should I expect you? What train will you be on? Would you like it if I met you? Will we recognise each other? Of course we'll recognise each other. It's me, we'll say. It's me. It's me. It's me. See Christian Marclay's The Clock for Free at Tate Modern from the 14th of September 2018 to the 20th of January 2019. Look out for special 24-hour openings and tell us what you think using hashtag the clock at Tate. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review and subscribe. Where Does Time Go was produced by Eliza Lomas and presented by Rachel Long. 
It was a Boom Shakalaka production for Tate with music from Frontier. With special thanks to Craig Burnett, Paul Anton Smith, Joanne Kernan, William Normand, Viv and Finbar McGuinness, and St George Primary School, Bristol.